0: Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, bamboo and extraordinary. This is staying in.
1: I am feeling quite tired at the moment, mm. so I am looking for remedies that aren't caffeine related. Okay. Because, like you, Sam, I followed cool. your lead. Last year, I, I basically, I, I, cut down my caffeine to like one or a couple of green teas a day. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's had a dramatic effect, but. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally when you need a little bit of a pick me up. Yeah, i I'm looking for an alternative remedy.
0: Oh, what for staying, trying to stay awake?
1: Staying awake, yes.
0: Let, let's have a think about this. Let's, let's. I, I, can I just say off the bat that um, the one benefit in life that reducing slash giving up caffeine has is that caffeine works again. And sometimes it's an absolute <laughs> godsend. Oh yeah, you? <laughs> it's just like you—you just—you pick your moment. You're just like, yeah, this is yeah. I need a coffee or a tea right now, and it's just like, whoa. You yeah, just yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what's what's that film with? Um, was it Bradley Cooper? Is it? Oh, uh, is it Limitless? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just feel. <laughs> I just feel like him. Just like, I'm, whoa. This is what Kathy must have felt like the first time. The first time I had it, just like. Yes. Based
1: on a true story.
0: Fire him. Hire him. Bye, bye, bye. Sell, sell, sell. Like I'm I'm just on it.
1: It's but, great. But what's great about that, Sam, is that when I go out for drinks and I like have a Coke, it is actually almost like an alcoholic buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. It's 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 great what limiting caffeine does, because actually you, <laughs> you realise that what an actual drug it is. Um Right, but alternatives to staying awake. So I've done a lot of night shifts in my time, of of which staying awake is a key part of the responsibilities. Um, you and 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 I've asked quite a lot of people their tactics for staying awake over a night shift. Um, most people say stuff like just constant grazing or eating, just, just on the lawn outside. If you're eating, you're not sleeping um brushing the teeth okay
1: yeah i can see how that works i was going to go down the opposite route which is i was told
0: what's what's the opposite of brushing teeth
1: having an ice cream
0: (laughs) just just covering covering your your teeth in dirt (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) having an ice cream yeah
0: yeah i can see that the cold
1: wakes wakes you up yeah i was i used to do that when i used to drive through the night i'd wind down the windows have an ice cream and then i'm fine
0: when you used to drive through the night when you, during your HGV years. <laughs> no. when you, when, <laughs> trucker Chris. <laughs> trucker Chris. He'd drive his
1: hog. My grandfather was a HGV driver and he would just reverse it down the cul de sac that he lived on with my nap. <laughs> and um, he, he once knocked down the post office, post box once. And
0: <laughs> not the post office.
1: <laughs> and for weeks, the locals couldn't be asked to lift it back up. So they would just post their letters into the box lying on the ground.
0: <laughs> I, I guess the other thing I'm going to ask for, Chris, is what are you staying awake for? Good point. Are you just wanting a bit more energy in the evenings? Or are you staying awake because WrestleMania is on and you need to stay up? Like, what's what's going on?
1: because of my work patterns i am mm-hmm. getting up at six every morning leaving the house at 20 past seven to get into work for nine and then often i'm not back home to about half six and then what tends to happen is i have to get a bed at nine and some instances like for a friday night for example where i haven't got work the next mm-hmm. day just staying awake a little bit longer Eking out those hours a little bit longer. That's what I'm looking for, essentially. Okay. And I can't have an ice cream every night. (laughs) And I can't just open the
0: windows. (laughs) Um, So the Salem Health Hospital and Clinics have made a blog post called How to Stay Awake Naturally. Um, Some top tips here. Um, Get up and move around. Great. If you're moving, you're not sleeping. That's true scientifically
1: true keep dancing
0: unless you're unless you're sleepwalking can you take a nap at work between 5 and 25 minutes
1: my partner she would sometimes when she she the traffic is awful in the city where she works so she would drive in extra early park up and then sleep in her car for a bit before walking into the office
0: wow fair play I feel like the next tip is sort of the same as the other tip which is give your eyes a break <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's it's a dangerous thing.
2: Just close your eyes. Uh, that'll, that'll help you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't nap, but just close your
2: eyes. This has been written by someone trying to trick you into falling asleep.
1: I thought you were going to say, Sam, it was like, you know how flamingos switch from one leg to the other that I close one eye? And <laughs> <laughs> everyone around Chris in his office is like, is Chris winking at me? Incredibly slowly.
0: Eat a healthy snack to boost energy. Uh, some they, they do make some recipe suggestions. Peanut butter on a whole wheat cracker. Yoghurt and a handful of nuts. Doesn't sound as nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. And you're so angry about what you've eaten that you just stay awake.
0: Oh, here we go. This doesn't sound bonkers at all. Start a conversation to wake up your mind. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fine, Chris. Yeah, not too bad. Just feeling a bit sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, the suggestions that they give, it's like... If you're fading fast, engaging in conversation can get your mind moving again. Talk to a colleague about a business idea, politics or religion. <laughs> yeah, the the light stuff.
1: The big three.
2: I mean, you could do I mean like get into like a really compelling TV show.
1: <laughs> it's so compelling.
2: Well, yeah, so compelling sleep. that when an episode finishes, you want to watch another one and it keeps you awake. All right. As like as Sam Sam will be some will testify like me and Sam both had a baby around the same time and we both watched majority of better call Saul in those early hours and it kept us awake because I just wanted to watch more and more and more probably something like 24 you're not yeah you're not falling asleep to to that but the problem uh, problem is though now i i have a thing where i i tend to kind of have a show that i might have watched some of before but i kind of want to binge it through and i want to watch the whole thing and it's never something that i'm really invested in. so assuming like 24 i could watch but if i watch too much of it before bed my dreams would then be inflected by that and i would have really bad dreams especially if we're watching like 24 because that is not the kind of thing that you want happening in your <laughs> dreams because it's not a case of oh yeah. i'm a cool jack bauer type it's suddenly no. i'm in a really constantly tense situation that is always at the edge of disaster that's not what you want. So you've got to pick it right.
1: I cannot think of anything worse than having a split screen dream. Yeah,
2: <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
1: With a little clock in the middle.
2: So I, I always have to I always have to watch when I'm watching, what I'm watching before kind of I go to bed. So the, like the latest one I've been watching was um, watching House because um, I, I, ne- I watched some of it when it was on, but I never really watched all of it. So I've just been kind of going through it. And occasionally I find I've watched too much of it too late. And so when I've fallen asleep, I'm having House inflected dreams as well which again aren't the best
0: sorry can we just can we just go back to that typical phrasing that Dan just used house infected dreams. inflected Inflected. oh inflected I thought he said house infected I mean it works it works both ways I mean yeah no but infected implies that here comes Dan's having a nice dream about being on holiday over the summer with his kids and his family and then house MD turns up and just ruins
2: everything Hugh Laurie with an American (laughs) accent
0: (laughs) just ruining things (laughs) Popping the popping the beach ball, knocking over sandcastles. <laughs> Chris, ultimately what you've got to do is you gotta train. You gotta train your body. Okay? Your body's uh just used to falling asleep at the time. So your circadian rhythms yep. your circadian rhythms are just controlling you. But you gotta get it back. Gotta go yep. get back control. Own, it. own it, Chris. Of who you are. You gotta own it can't let you can't let your body own you, you own your body, yes, your body wants to go to sleep or well, screw your body yeah if 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 most of the right wing media I watch on YouTube tells me anything' <laughs> is that you know I'm in control of my body and it's not the other way around, so why don't you try a little thing where say it gets to, so at the moment you're going to bed at
1: nine o'clock yeah post watershed shed just
0: yeah, so why don't you do so what I like to do before be- before I go to bed now is that I'll be like, right, I'm just going to play half an hour or 45 minutes of a video game and then I'm going to go up to bed. I'm usually quite strict about it. I'll just put on a game, 45 minutes, play a bit and then go up to bed and that's it. Why don't you do something like that? Just like, right, it's nine o'clock. I'm just going to dedicate half an hour to reading or playing a game or like listen to, you know, I'll listen to a- an album for an hour before bed. And then and then go up.
2: No, I I, I do. I will do the similar thing. I'll pl- I'll play games and stuff like that. It's a, it's a good way of kind of working through kind of titles that you perhaps haven't got around to and kind of that steady. I always have an issue when I'm playing video games is losing. If I don't play it on a regular basis, I lose track of the story and then I struggle to get into it and it really affects my enjoyment of the whole thing. So if I'm doing it on a regular basis. Um, that will ena- yeah. enable me to enjoy it, enjoy the content more. So in your situation, it's actually kind of twofold. One, you're able to enjoy the content uh, better um, on a more fulfilling kind of scale. Whereas in addition,
0: you're pushing your bedtime back just a little bit. There you go.
1: Thank you.
0: Sam and Dan's stay awake training. Yeah. It's the, this, it's the one app that no one asked, to- nice. <laughs> asked for. <laughs> Well, I did actually have the pleasure of um um completing a game during my evening play sessions the other day I completed Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yay.
1: Did it stick the landing, Sam?
0: It did. It absolutely did stick the landing. Well, there was a terrible boss fight near the end, like really or like really, really bad. But as we just dis- when we discussed it when we discussed it, your worry
2: was that as so far into the game you you we gone you were waiting for kind of the the turn where it suddenly said like, oh, and here's some loot boxes for you to think. And it never, it never does that.
0: No, no, no. It absolutely sticks landing. And it's a, a really, I think that if it was, so the playtime came in at about 15 hours. I think if it was about five hours shorter and got rid of that boss fight, I think it would have been a, a superb game. And then I've um, started playing, I picked up Ghost of Tsushima again. Yeah. And I try and complete that now. And I think that that is probably one of, if not my favourite, open world video game. I think it's superb.
1: It's ex- extraordinary.
0: Yeah, there's, there's. Um. I think that playing it, I can't think of any other open world game where you're allowed to feel as powerful as you do in Ghost of Tsushima, like in like when you play Horizon or Assassin's Creed, like everything's like slightly gated off, and unless you're playing it for 300 hours, like Chris does, like you never feel, or I never really feel, like I'm at a position of that power fantasy of just like waltzing into an area and just going boom, bonk 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 and like killing everything in sight. Like, everything scales up with your experience, so everything's always a challenge. However, in Ghost of Tsushima, they're pretty happy letting you, like, off dudes in one shot most of the time. And if you're really clever and really good with your stances and how you attack and when, you can pretty much off quite a lot of dudes very quickly, and it does feel great. Like, they really do lean in that samurai aspect of you're really good at this like you you and your swords and your bows and arrows and stuff you're like you're really good and I was playing it the other day and I was, I was thinking about that fact and like how brave of a decision step is that is for you and therefore how interesting they had to make the world around it and how compelling and you know I think it's why instead of having waypoints all the animals show you to where all the interesting things are you know you you don't have a marker on a map to to find a place you have the wind which blows you in certain directions it's such
1: a it's such a clever open world game i think what i like about that game is it's one of the smallest open world video games of recent years yes where there seems to be mm-hmm. this trend of trying to Outdo your predecessor by having a bigger, more expansive map, as if that would make it good. Mm -hmm. Um, In Tsushima, you're on an island, and it it's it's tight, it's lean, and it means then that as you go from coast to coast, from north to south, that rich diversity of of geography and how the landscape and the terrain shifts and changes is even more arresting because it happens so immediately. Yeah. It's, and it with this beautiful saturated colour scheme, oh, I mean, just all the cherry blossom. Oh my word, it's incredible. Absolutely stunning game.
2: I, th- I think the, like, if I were to play it now, I think it was probably better for me because I remember when it came out, I think there'd been quite a lot of coverage on it and it was one of those things where I kind of got a little bit tired of it before I'd even kind of come to play yeah. it I remember when um I think Watch Dogs first came out there was the, for like for a year ahead of time you were seeing like footage and like this is amazing this is game changing and they'd shown so much of it um that it was just kind of like I'm 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 bored of it now I've not even played it and I think I had that kind of feeling with Ghost of Shishima that I was like I'm not really getting this I'm not really that excited about it so kind of down the line yeah kind of I feel like I can experience it again it's that kind of thing where, like if you sometimes in that zeitgeist when something explodes, if you don't if you're not on that kind of kind of train when it leaves the station you you kind of just lose track of it and sometimes it's just nice to be able to pick it up in your own time and kind of just discover it yourself
1: That's how I work
0: Yeah, I think that's how this podcast works (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we're on trend Yeah,
1: Shall shall we just quickly now rattle off to appease P all the new hotness that's out so we can just get it in the SEOs. Uh, Sam and I saw Guidance of the Galaxy Volume 3 the other day. We did. Another one? Any others?
0: Um any other what? Any other new hot things that we saw or done? Yeah. Uh I, th- I think that's it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to try and get
2: to see Guidance of the Galaxy 3. Like I haven't seen I haven't been to the cinema in ages. Um, I think actually Banshees of Inisherin was the last time I went to the cinema, um, and like the last few Marvel films, I've kind of caught up when they've landed on Disney Plus. Like I watched Quantum the other day because I just thought I'd wait for that to kind of land on there. But I did want, to, I do want to go and see Guardians Three. I just yeah yeah haven't been able to yet. I'm on holiday next week. And I don't, I'm not going to be able to go then. either. so it might come a time where actually when I finally have an evening to do it, it's no longer in the cinema. So but fingers crossed, I might be able to to catch it because it does strike me from everything I've heard. It's it's the kind of thing that does benefit from being an, on a big screen. I mean, the Guardians films always did, because um, it's not just about Crash Bang Wallop. The Guardians film always felt grander in scope um, than, than a lot of the other Marvel films.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's something we spoke about with the Guardians game. There's a lot more character to explore, there's just a lot more happening on screen because you're following a lot more characters. So it helps um, having that bigger screen. And also, the sound system helps as well because the soundtrack's ace. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good it's it's a really good film. I mean, it is the best Marvel film probably since um if we're really being honest, Far from Home. Better than Eternals? What?
1: That
0: was the yeah, best film it, ever? It
1: it on my rankings it's just one above Eternals.
0: You say <laughs> these things just to annoy me. <laughs> I'd put it a lot higher than that. Yeah, but I've got
1: Eternals very high.
0: You do have Eternals very high. Eternals is a good film, but I think that Guardians just goes to show what happens when you have someone who has seen a project through from beginning to end and had an idea of how it was how it was going to finish i think it's unfortunate it's come when it's come i feel like it needed to be probably out a couple of years earlier than it is because now it's kind of it feels like it would have been a great film to help reset the universe and reset expectations in the universe it kind of feels very nostalgic in a way already, because these are characters that we've not seen for 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 several years, other than in Thor: Love and Thunder. But it's it's really good. Uh, uh, aside from a few James Gunn isms, I think when you watch a James Gunn film, you have to accept there maybe James Gunn isms. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just wish you wouldn't, but, <laughs> <laughs> out. but I feel like it's just part of his process. And I think like eighty percent of that process I really enjoy and I really like. You just have to kind of put up with the twenty percent bad tasteless jokes and going one step too far with, with a reference or something that doesn't need to be there, you know. I would say one thing, trigger warning. Trigger warning for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh, which I would appreciate it, is there is quite a lot of animal cruelty in it. So um, I find that really difficult to watch.
1: Uh, I didn't know it was going to be in there. So, whoa. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Uh, it's probably one of the yeah. drawbacks of not watching any of the trailers beforehand. Hadn't got any inkling of that. And uh, no, no. Yeah. It, and, and there was a point halfway through the film and I was thinking, oh, my word, am I ever going to want to watch this film ever again? and it it does Mm -hmm. stick the landing Mm -hmm. though but it 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 is it doesn't shy away and i can kind of understand why it doesn't it doesn't do it in a kind of gratuitous manner um i understand why it's there and and, you know many would argue that it's important that it's there really but oh my word for a pg-13 film it's probably one of the darkest pg-13 films i've seen in quite a while
0: we can talk about some other new hot things. Do you want do you want a new hot board game? Do you want, do you want it?
1: Will it keep me awake, Sam? Um,
0: I don't know cuz it's quite a long one. We have played it and it was a it was a it it, it was late it, at night. It was late at night. Well, it ended up being late at night because it it was a long game, but we played we played Bamboo from our friends and your friends at Devere. Bamboo is how best to describe it. Well, it kind of um combines two of my recent favourite things from De Vere, uh, this uh, board game uh, company. Um, it's got the small box of Red Cathedral, which is probably one of my favourite games of recent years. But it's also got the lovely setting of Lacrimosa. So remember um, a few podcast episodes ago we spoke about lacrimosa which is a truly insane game where you're trying to <laughs> recreate mozart's last requiem as well as reliving some of mozart's last um jaunts through um europe and it's beautiful and it's brilliant just for its just for its theme um and bamboo is just a theme which is totally unexpected like lacrimosa but perfectly fitting for the game and it comes in a comes in a, a small box so in bamboo you play as a range of um different families all making a simple living off growing bamboo and trying to use that income essentially to bring balance to their home chris it reminded me a lot of um Iki in a way yes you know in the way that it has like Iki had this central philosophy about living life as part of a community bamboo has also this this philosophical drive to it where you're where competition isn't really encouraged of course like it's most points wins because it's, it's a board game but really what you're trying to do the philosophy of the game is you're trying to bring balance into your into your home So all the objects that you buy, all the things that you um, purchase have to provide some sort of spiritual, aesthetic, lifestyle balance in a way in order for you to to really succeed. So the game feels really, because of that, it feels really homely and evocative. And everything on all the actions that you do feel just as sort of they feel just as safe and pleasant to interact with so for example you do actions on your turn by placing incense into a temple and the and that gives you actions to buy the furniture and food and luxuries for your home and then there's the bamboo which is actually how you perform actions in the game so what happens is when you place incense from your board into a temple, you then take bamboo and put it into a field. So imagine you've got like these bamboo seedlings and then you're putting them into a, a field to then grow. So now each of those bamboo stalks has an action symbol on it. So when you place it in the field, you do then, you then do that associated action. And that may just be gaining some money, gaining some food, gaining a new portrait to hang in your living room, whatever. And then, and this is one of those simple things in board games, which is when when I when I'm going to mention what it is, it sounds really really trite and it sounds really really silly, but it is exceptionally satisfying. What you do is you then use the bamboo that you just placed to push up the bamboo that's already there to simulate the act of bamboo growing in the field, and then <laughs> then and then you chop off the top bits they've just risen up and then you take them back to your house to plant later um in the game and am i right chris like it is like it is insanely silly and stupid but it is (laughs) so satisfying to to just do this little thing of yeah pushing up bamboo i mean
1: it's like it's like it's like pulling a token out of a bag in quacks of Quedlingburg. yeah yeah i'm taking something out of a bag but there's so something so tantalizing about that. And it's so funny because every time I would push the bamboo up, I'd always be surprised as what would pop out at the top, even though you can clearly see what it is. Even though, yeah. And, yeah. and I, yeah. I must admit, when I looked at this game, I was quite put off because I've, there's been a real trend recently of these kind of heavy games where there's something of a slide puzzle or um, or spinning wheels and... And what, yeah. what, what kind of unnerved me about that was thinking, oh my word, I've got to think five or six steps ahead. And what I loved about bamboo is that, yeah, you can do that, but actually also you're at the behest of what the other player is doing. What I like is when Sam chooses which bamboo to grow, the impact it has on me is that actually I don't have analysis paralysis so much because the actions I'm left with are the actions I'm left with. And even if I really want to do something I might not be able to do it because of just what's left with me there. So, uh, so all these kinds of interconnecting pieces, so visiting the temples, trying to play the incense game, are actually really manageable. And there's just enough there of crunch to make it really satisfying, but not so much that you, your brain is burning. And I played; we were playing this really late at night, I should say, and I should say, we were playing the two-player variants, which I thought was really well balanced and I thought it was really good for us, actually, that two-player variant we had there. I didn't feel we were getting a diluted or watered down version um, of the full game, really. And, and I think that set collection thing I find really nice. And I said this to you, Sam, the one thing that perhaps I think they could have made a little bit more explicit was that that kind of balance mechanic because really that's at the center of it really particularly when you get to the scoring about how everything's balanced because it is a lovely idea but i really wanted to feel that i was kind of putting these things on some kind of scales of some sort and you know finding that spiritual harmony within my home really um because that is a really lovely little puzzle it's not just about the bamboo
0: yeah, it kind of sneaks up on you at that at that point. As at uh, the end, scoring you, so you s- score you know what you've got in your home based on certain objectives that you that you pick up throughout the game. But then at the end of the game, you have to see if you've achieved balance in your home. So your home is sort of split up into three sections, Then you have to weigh up each half and see how much sort of points you've scored within those halves and see if you've been able to achieve this balance and it kind of it's a rule which if i told you that at the start of the game i felt like it would have been too daunting and too much of a of a of a long-term strategy to really consider to to enjoy the early parts of the game but when i tell you at the end it's too late but yeah i feel like f- pushing that central philosophy forward is where you know the board game um really does really does shine and the other thing i think it does really well as you said chris was that it tricks you into um learning how to like think two steps ahead because the bamboo that you're placing and then chopping off the top after you've grown some those are actions that you'll then do later on in the game so you're, so what you're essentially doing is committing to perform a particular action later on in the game and, in, and it's kind of indicative of like how friendly and inviting like the artwork and the setup of bamboo is that this usually daunting and complicated process of planning two, three steps ahead like just happens without much fuss and bother it's, it's like that delicious act of just pushing up bamboo and watching it grow you don't really realise that that's what you're actually doing in the game
2: I think you, you you touched on kind of the artwork there and kind of the, the setup. And like I've just been kind of, as you've been talking, I've just been looking kind of through some pictures of kind of, of, of the setup there. And I think one thing that I can sometimes struggle with, with board games, because I don't play as many as you guys, is the kind of, Similar to the concept of like the analysis paralysis, but like when there's so many pieces, there's so many counters and bits and bobs of that, mm-hmm. it can be a little bit overwhelming. And looking at pictures here, there are a lot of stuff. There is a lot of counters and bits and pieces and yep. bits of bamboo and cards and all over the place. But what I do find really interesting about it is the way it's set up feels very organized and very neat so obviously you've, you talk about the bamboo there's the little indentation on the board so the bamboo stays in the straight line you're not always trying to just you're not it kind of yeah you're not breaking the magic of that because it stays growing nicely it doesn't veer off because the 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 pieces have kind of slipped on the board or something like that you i mean it looks like you've got some kind of like card um holders so to, to store the cards. so again that's not just like a pile of cards on there that is taking up space so that's nice and neatly done yes you've got counters um which are there but you well, it looks like you've got these um kind of each person has like a play mat so to speak with kind of the, the family picture on yeah. it and each of them has a spot for these are the different colored bits of bamboo to go here and this goes here and it's all nicely mm-hmm. laid out so kind of the 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 sometimes chaos of having so many pieces you're able to really kind of organize and put into a nice clear format that i think for, from my point of view as someone who would kind of be like okay what do i do with these hundred different things i go like okay i can organize it i can make it all nice and neat and now i have a much i don't have to worry about that and i can i can enjoy the game a bit more and focus more on the gameplay than trying to just get my head around everything that's in front of me
0: the game does do a lot to try and not be as imposing as it possibly could. Like, there are there are a ton of systems going on here, and if you're familiar with, like, a modern strategy board game or a modern Euro, as some people may call it, like, there's there's lots of things you'd be quite familiar with, but I think Bamboo, with its artwork, is kind of straddling a, a an interesting line because I think a lot of people pick it up off the shelf because of that artwork and because of the small box and not really be able to comprehend kind of what's inside so i think quite a lot of the heavy lifting is taken away by how it's organized on the table how it looks what you're actually doing in order to try and make it as appealing as uh, as possible to that kind of audience i mean personally and i don't know if you agree with me chris i think that as the game gets on it gets incredibly complicated and it gets incredibly deep in terms of how you essentially end up maximizing your turns and by complicated i don't mean it just adds systems on systems on systems it just means your turns kind of get longer and the trick of the game is how can you sort of maximize the bamboo that you're cutting off and that you're placing in order to really make sure that you're getting the most out of your turns and i think that the game length which is pretty much about sort of 90 minutes to two hours with two players, would be off-putting to some people. Um, but it is a lovely world to play in, which is what I'd caveat that with.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a world that, yes, as you say, Sam, yes, it gets complicated, but it it doesn't get busy. The board isn't busy. It's not a sprawling board. You don't walk in at the end of the game and you just see your table is just covered with all these pieces. It's still the same amount of stuff there, really. It's just how you use it within your home. And obviously, as as you start blocking off spaces in your home, unless you decide to score them, they will stay there. So you're kind of, again, there's that wonderful bit where actually, oh, I could get that. But actually, I don't need that because I haven't got a space for it at home. So that's what I really, really like. It's very good. It's, you know, it's very clever to find a game where the complexity increases, but um, the table remains just as busy as it was when you started. But we also played a big old game Mm, before that. The opposite, almost to a degree. A big old box (laughs) that I heaved onto (laughs) your table what
0: an afternoon slash evening slash the next day it was
1: yes and this was a game call back to aircon where I had been in aircon for about four and a half minutes before you and Pete (laughs) um, hustled me into the bring and buy sale and um, literally the voice of conscience in my ears directed me towards this box which was Lord of the Rings uh, Journeys in Middle Earth um, from Fantasy Flight Games (sighs) Published can you believe it? I can't believe it's this old. Oh, Twenty nineteen. Gosh, that was a very wow. long <laughs> couple of years bet- between that and here. Um yeah. from Nathan L. Hayek and Grace Holdinghouse. I think I found a game that all four of us would love. Well, three and a half of us. Yes. That's
2: a bold statement. Jerry still out on
1: Pete. Dan, this is what basically me and you experience when we play Lord of the Rings online together. Okay. So I'll set the scene for you. The the reason why this box is so bloody thick is just lots of modular tiles. And the reason why the box isn't as thick as it could have been is because this is an um, app-led game. I think there's probably a better term for that. So you have to play along (laughs) with an app, um, whether that be on your tablet, your screen, mobile or laptop but you have to play along with a tablet oh sorry with an app and you get this wonderful kind of haunting music playing in the background somebody reads sets the scene for you then it tells you which player tiles to put on the board you choose your characters in advance some of which are well known you've got people like Aragorn you've got Gimli there you've got Bilbo and others aren't they've kind of been created for this property and you choose what kind of character you want to be. So I could play Aragorn, not as a hunter. I could play Aragorn as a burglar, for example, or a musician. And that gives me a particular starting <laughs> hand of cards, which is pretty cool. And I can choose my equipment. And it tells me in the game what equipment I can choose from. And I, I get that from these deck of cards, these small, tiny little cards, almost like um, takanoko size cards, for those who play Takanoko. Yeah, yeah. And the the game is set, and then you launch the app. It tells you which tiles to play, and you start off with a couple of tiles. And it's like, okay, where do you want to go?
0: Well, it gives you well, it gives you a, a bit of a flavour. A so little when bit we, of flavour. When flavor. we played it, it was like, um, there's been a robbery in Brie, and you saw some people running off in that direction. But it doesn't say go and investigate. It doesn't say go and track them down and and bring them back. To- bring them back to Brie it's just a little bit of a something to get you going in terms of like building building the world it's kind of like well we can just go off and do our own thing but depending on who our characters are like we can start building something around that narrative like if we choose to investigate or we choose not to we're starting to build build our own little world within middle
1: earth yeah and and you can kind of move around. You can search tiles, which can reveal new things. That could be enemies. It could be little secrets. You can also perhaps um, reveal new tiles that will have to be placed on the board, and the game tells you when to do that, really. And running across the top is this little clock, because after you've taken your go, the clock moves onwards. And when it reaches a certain threshold, something will happen. It's generally quite bad. So you can't dilly-dally forever. And that's great for two reasons. One, because there is a degree of focus here, but two, it means that instantly the game's replayable because, oh, I missed that last time. I wonder if I played this again, what I'd find if I went over there next time, which is really cool. One thing I will say to people, if you're going to get this game or you already own this game, do yourself a favor and get yourself some 3D printed card holders that are designed for this. I bought a pair, six Mm. quid each, and it meant that Sam and I could slot our cards into it without accidentally leaning over and just sho- shoving all our cards across the, the table yeah and, and 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 that's kind of the way the game goes you know there's attacking and the attacking is quite cool dan because you basically choose an enemy on the app and then it shows you up there shows you a kind of like uh, a screen and then you you draw your cards and then you type in how much you hit them for and you hear their whack whack <laughs>
0: it's a very it's a very meaty it is very meaty quack
1: and some and some of the weapons have extra things like pierce so you really hear that sh- sound through the armor as well you've broken through the armor and you take them out and the, and the game tells you okay you've done it get rid of them and you know you keep going and then at the end of the first mission which is outside in these lovely landscapes which you're kind of building as you're trying to solve this mystery it then moves to a skirmish bat where you get rid of all those tiles and it's two squares in the table with some features. And it's like, dare I say it, a miniatures game, Dan. And it's just a grid and you are in a very close skirmish battle. Same mechanics as before, except some of the geographical features give you certain affordances or challenges, say, for example. And I really love that kind of, that vacillation you know, going from this expansive kind of level to a skirmish and back and forth, really. Mm.
2: It's, it's interesting because I, I mean, listening to kind of the the how you're describing it, like it sounds a bit like a like a choose your own adventure thing as well. Of
1: yeah, yeah, that 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 go is it. Go from
2: step one. We've made this decision. Next time, we'll make a different decision. And we'll go. We'll go down a different kind of branch of the yeah. th- of the narrative tree, so to speak.
1: Definitely. And what's really cool about that tree is that at the end of the first. Sam and I played, we stopped and the game saved our progress and that meant that I could just put the cards back into the box as normal and I could pick up this game with Sam and it would tell me exactly what's in our respective decks, very quick to set up. I've also got another save on the go where I'm playing this game by myself so I've got that saved on there and and I had a very different kind of experience to playing it with Sam because I started in a different part of the map. The broad brushstrokes were there but they were in different places, so it's not as if like I can only play through this game once. Add on top of that that I can try different permutations with characters. Add on top of that there are other kind of levels to go, with, for, go through. Add on top of that other digital DLC I can download onto the app. I mean, for me, this is going to be in my collection for a long, long time. And as a solo experience, it is glorious because so much of the heavy lifting is not done is done by the app rather than me having lots of tokens on the table to measure hit points for various different enemy factions. It's all done within the app, so it's not as if it's doubling up on the game. And I'm actually just seeing like a really cool interactive version of what's on my table. The app is really there to, as as my games master essentially.
0: The, the one the cynic in me thinks believes that you know it's going to be in your board game collection for as long as the app is supported and (laughs) it's still like functioning that that's the only thing that kind of thrilled me but disappointed me with the game i think it's just like it's really nice just pressing a button and having everything done for you and things being read out for you and music and like but i did miss part of the you know the 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 joy of Picking the soundtrack ourselves and reading the things out ourselves and going through the rule book and figuring it out ourselves—it's kind of—it's kind of, you know, I guess the the, the thing that that is the complete autonomous of this game is something like Jaws of the Lion, which is all pretty much you know analog and everything's run by the players and you get out of it as much as you put into it in terms of how evocative you want it to be. Whether Lord of the Rings, um, uh, it, it's. I, I want to say spoon feeding, but that sounds like a very negative thing, but it does kind of like it's very fast foody, it's very um instantaneous gratification. It's very junk foody in um and, and I mean that in a in a in a very positive way is that you play it and get all these nice little beats immediately, and you can immediately start making stories and, and making up characters. All the interactions that you have with it are so immediate and gratifying. We'd have to play it a bit more, Chris, to see like what the nutritional value of it is, in order to take the metaphor a little bit further. But that is nothing to say. There's nothing wrong with a a fistful of onion rings once in a while. Who's editing this podcast?
1: You are Sam.
0: You are Sam. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Uh, Because I just want to briefly mention um, a competition that we've got running at the moment on our Instagram feed. And it's a competition to win a copy of the game Hungry Monkey. Now, unfortunately, to to briefly describe Hungry Monkey, I need to mention the... I don't really want to use the word traditional, but it kind of feels traditional. The traditional English game of shithead. (laughs) Now... (laughs) have you guys both played the head oh yeah a sta- a I, I have I can't, remember, like, I
2: can't remember it though it's one of those games that i know i've played it
0: my mum loves this game yeah head is is one of my favorite playing card um, games and even so much so that as i've kind of moved around the uk i'd always encountered different yeah. sort of regional variations yeah, yeah. of it which is brilliant um so um I'm just making more work for myself. So um Pooh Head is a uh, a playing card game where the the aim of the game is basically to get rid of all of your all of your cards. So you usually have like three cards face down in front of you and sometimes you play with three cards face up as well. And then you have three cards in your hand and each turn you're trying to get rid of cards by playing a card that is equal to or higher than the previous card played. You do that until the deck runs out and then you have to play the cards that are in front of you. Um, Obviously, it's a gamble then as to which cards you pick as to if you're going to put the right one down because if you ever put the wrong one down or can't put one down, you have to then pick up the deck um, or the pile of discarded cards and essentially you've then got a massive hand to try and get get rid of. And then there'd be certain cards that would provide specific powers so like a uh, a seven for example in some places in the country that the next player would have to play a card that is lower than a previously played or a two could for example could be played on any card uh, a ten would get rid of the discard pile all these kind of all these kind of little things what hungry monkey has done and this is from heidelberg games is they've essentially codified head and they've given it um, some stunning artwork by Shashrita Tabatiji and basically made it into almost the official version of this um, this roaming wild game. So it plays in pretty much exactly the same way but it actually has like a full rule set as in these are the special cards and these are the powers that they have. It is... Just the most chill, relaxing, take off your shoes, wind down game that I've played in a long time. Um, Just one of those games that is in your backpack at all times, just in case you have a moment on a train or in a pub or out and about just to play it. Because the, the interactions with other players and what you're actually doing with the cards is so easy and immediate that the downtime is just so... Wonderful, and like you can just you can have a conversation whilst playing it. Like there's nothing obtrusive that gets in the way of just catching up with catching up with your friends. It's a bit like we've all started to play Power Wash Simulator together on PlayStation, and it's a bit like the same. It's kind of like a, a task that's enjoyable to some regard, but doesn't get in the way of you just allowing each other to to catch up and and like have a great time. And Hungry Monkey does that in 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 just the same way that that, that Pooh Head did, but with much more interesting and inviting card art, a, a, a codified set of rules. And actually it has a way of being able to track like, and define a winner. So usually in Pooh Head it will be whoever's just last would would lose. Basically you're just aiming not to be the person left with cards on the table. But what Hungry Monkey does is it has a Hungry Monkey, of course, if you finish first, you get two bean cards of a value of three or two beans. If you come second, you just get one card of a value of three or two beans. If you come third, you just get one single bean card. And it's the first player to ten bean cards. So it it brings all of this stuff together to you know bring the game to life, really, beyond what was just a a, a normal sort of deck of cards. And basically what I'm saying is this brilliant game... This lovely game that you can just shove into your bag is available to someone via Instagram. And all you need to do is like the post, follow us, and then all you need to do is put in the comments someone you'd like to play Hungry hungry Monkey with and your favourite bean. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's got to be baked, hasn't it? I'd pick broad. Dan? Coco? Oh. Good shout. Um... So, yeah, so if you'd like to win a copy of Hungry Monkey, then do head off over to our Instagram um, page where that competition is open for the next sort of... Yeah, we'll keep it open for a couple of weeks or so. Uh, but, yeah, it's a it's a really good game. And I was a bit sort of hesitant to begin with because I thought, what is the difference between this and just playing it with a pack of cards? But it turns out that um, some really, really incredible artwork and bringing on the bean element to it is just lifts it above above sort of the the folklore game of old
2: <laughs> how far into the past can we talk about stuff and it still clusters the new hotness how far back can um, we
0: go um what month is this going to be coming out june um i'd say june <laughs> oh no okay so say so this is this
2: is old hotness because uh, this is another option for Chris, um, potentially, if you wanted to have something to keep you awake. Okay. Uh, we talked about kind of with games and stuff, like a little half an hour batch. I've been watching, I say watching, I've watched a series on Disney Plus, uh, which came out kind of January, February time, um, called Extraordinary. Have you have you heard of that?
1: Yes, I've been watching this, Dan.
2: Ah, there we go. That's um, why I'm so, so- wired. <laughs> Sam, are you are you familiar with Extraordinary?
0: Uh, no uh, idea what it is at all. Sounds like a game show. So no, so Extraordinary
2: is a comedy by kind of a new writer called Emma Moran. Um, and in a world, in the kind of the cultural landscape that we have of kind of superpowers and superheroes it does kind of feel like we're we're very saturated with that kind of stuff. And so when I saw there was like a, a, a new comedy, it was quite kind of du- directed towards like a younger demographic um, about superpowers and stuff. I kind of thought, nah, it's gonna be more of the same of all that kind of thing. Um, but I thought I'd give it a go anyway. And we've seen so much kind of superhero and superpower stuff of late. That I was really impressed that a show like Extraordinary came out, which takes the concept of superpowers, not superheroes necessarily, but superpowers, and does something really interesting with it. Um that I've not okay. really seen since since perhaps he- perhaps heroes, like way back when. I mean, like we it became kind of maligned over the course of its run heroes, but when it came out it was it was exciting, it was new, and it was doing interesting stuff. Um an extraordinary is a is a comedy, so it's not a drama in the same way that Heroes as was. But the, the, the concept of this show is it's based on a group of kind of twenty some early 20s, kind of just at, not far out of uni, kind of early to mid 20s, and they live in a world where kind of around your 18th birthday, everybody everybody is receives a superpower of some kind. It just happens. Genetics. Everybody develops a superpower, and it could be anything. You could have your standard ones of flight or strength or anything, your kind of standard ones. And the story's about one character who hasn't got a superpower. So she's the only one, pretty much, who doesn't have a superpower. She's waiting for a okay. superpower. She feels very left out because of that. All her friends have them. Her family have them.
0: Isn't that? Isn't this
2: the plot to Encanto? Funny you say that, because I have seen it referred to as Encanto meets Dairy Girls. So I don't know if you've watched Dairy Girls, <laughs> okay, which is yeah, 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 and, yeah, and yeah, I think you kind that, of that's fantastic. I love so that. So yeah, you're you're getting kind of that kind of
0: That's it. Finish it there, yeah.
2: Dan. <laughs> and Kanto meets Dairy Girls with like sex education thrown in as well. Those kind of those are your kind of touchstones on that. Um but what it does that's I find I find fantastic and it gets you right from the start. Of how inventive they've taken the concept of superpowers, because like we've seen all your traditional stuff, but the the opening scene is our main character kind of in a job interview, and as she's been asked a question, she starts to like just kind of just like verbal diarrhea of like her entire life story, and then she kind of says at the end of it like, I, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know why I said that, and she said it because the person doing the interview has been hired because her superpower is Whoever she's talking to is compelled to tell the truth, and so I, it's a great idea that in this world of everyone having superpowers, that che- that affects like the life that you live in terms of the job that you get. If your job is that, then you are hired okay. as a HR person because you are excellent at that job because people can't lie to you, and it's a really just a really smart idea. One of my favourite ones is. One of the main characters, uh, called Carrie, the kind of the best friend of Jen, um, the lead played by uh, Maray Tires. The best friend, her her kind of uh, superpower is she can kind of channel kind of spirits of people who've died, and that's not a particularly kind of innovative superpower. Kind of that you've you've seen variations of that kind of elsewhere in culture. But what's brilliant is the way it affects her. Is her job is to basically kind of channel these spirits and to give kind of posthumous testimony when people are debating wills and stuff like that. So the person whose actual will it is can argue with the people saying, no, I should get this. And they can actually, no, I don't want to give you that because you did this and this and this and this. And it's just a really inventive way of using these superpowers. And at times the series does get a little bit puerile. The kind of the, the, the level of comedy flitters kind of around the line of bad taste and good taste most of the time it walks that line really nicely a couple of the times it it kind of drops underneath it but just constantly as i was watching it like i was constantly surprised about the new stuff they were doing and some of the stuff is laugh out loud where it's those things where you just kind of almost want to clap because like yes that is brilliant that's a really clever kind of incisive choice there they they make comments on kind of the whole idea of a vigilante group with the most amazing powers in the fact that they're also kind of useless. There's a guy who's, whose superpower is he can summon fish. He can't do anything with them. Like, he, all he does, he stands there, <laughs> he puts his hand out and a fish flies into his hand. That's that's his entire superpower. And there's, there's nothing he can do with it, though. But in a world where it could be anything, some people get good ones, some people get bad ones. And it's just... I've just really enjoyed watching it I think it's an it's an eight part series each episode is like 25 minutes so you're not kind of it's not something that you're Ooh. kind of having to kind I'm of I'm interested yeah you don't necessarily have to binge it I watched it kind of just one at a time and kind of went back to it like Chris how have you how have you been enjoying it
1: oh I've loved it I think one thing I really really love is it's dynamic it's very sex positive which is a really big thing for me
0: that'll keep you awake yeah yeah no definitely <laughs> like
1: it's as you say, Dan, it's Inventive, what I love about the story is that Emma Moran originally wrote this during lockdown and it had no superpower thing in it whatsoever. It was like a kind of situation comedy amongst flatmates in their 20s. And it would almost feel like that would have been the reverse, that it started off with this idea that we have this world with superpowers. What story do I tell you in that world? But it was the complete opposite of that, which I love. Um, and just how in this crazy mad cat Concepts that the world everyone has superpowers how mundane it is for this character of jen who you see it through their yeah. eyes who it it isn't cool it isn't a novelty it's an irritation because everyone around them is a reminder that they aren't extraordinary um their boss their boss for example they work in a party store their boss is <laughs> is essentially looks like an 11 year old girl but has has lived for about fifty, sixty years, so you hear these kind of tired kind of sentiments going, "Oh, back in my day." And they're they, they, it's the, from the voice of an eleven-year-old girl.
2: I think we all we've all felt at different times in our life that where you're at a point of your life where seemingly all your friends or family and stuff like that they've moved on and you haven't really found your place yet. It's that thing, especially coming out of university. I think a lot of people around that uh, those early twenties kind of. Unless you're kind of really steadfast, um, know what you want to do. I think a lot of people always have that kind of feeling of what do I do next? This person's doing this. This person's doing this. I'm a bit aimless, and that's the kind of the flow of it. And that's kind of what this this character Jen is doing. And there are there are certain things within this world. There's a there's an organisation who whose aim it is to help people people who are kind of late bloomers find their kind of power, but it's a very expensive organizations join it's not it's not an evil organization There's nothing like that there's no superhero supervillain element other than the one character wanting to develop a vigilante gang but that's just because he wants to he wants to be a superhero not that there need to be superheroes because it's just not that world he just wants to fight crime and thinks it would be a cool thing to do it's a it's a sitcom in every other sense of the word it's just about people's relationships and kind of how they live together and how they interact with each other. And it's, as I say, love, hate, family, all these different things.
1: Um. Some final advice for you, Chris. Please. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit sleepy, Sam, I must admit. I do apologise, both of you. And so anything that can perk me up. This time by Healthline. This, this <laughs> article has been medically reviewed by Timothy
0: J. Legg, PhD. Rockstar. And D. What a a guy. Um, There is some questionable advice on this, (laughs) one of which is just says use your devices. Your electronic devices, including laptops, tablets, TVs and phones, emit something called blue light. The blue light emitted from your devices can delay the release of melatonin, the sleep hormone, and prevent you from becoming sleepy. To keep yourself awake, use a device that you can interact with. Try playing video games on a computer or tablet. The closer the blue light is to your face, oh the word. more awake you'll feel.
1: <laughs> this doesn't feel...
2: I don't think I don't think Dr. Tim Legg really paid attention to this article. If, he's, if just, he's approving this.
1: That's it. Just lie on my back in bed with my mobile phone screen just on my eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. If you've got any advice to help Chris stay awake, um, then please let us know.
0: Because the more time we can all spend with Chris, the better all our lives will be. Oh, um, thanks, man. So, you're doing a good service. Send send all that in to at gmail.com uh, or let us just know on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at stayinginpod. Don't forget at stayinginpod on Instagram is where we're holding the competition to win a copy of Hungry Monkey. Thank you very much for Heidelberg Games, the wonderfully superb Heidelberg Games for sending that to us. And thanks also to um, Cosmos Games for sending us a copy of. Um,
1: bamboo because
0: it is brilliant
1: so uh, if you like the sound of Lord of the rings journeys in middle earth and you like the sound of bamboo please check our board game geek page where all the full details of those games are on there I've just been having a look at BGG and Lord of the rings journeys in middle earth has got quite a high rating on there I know the BGG ratings are a bit dubious but that's quite a nice thing to see really Likewise, also, if you like any of the video game content that we've spoken about, not necessarily in this episode, um, we did a bit. We did a little bit. Our Steam curation page is where you'll find that there. Also, shout out uh, DJ Chris here, DJ KD. (laughs) Uh, I have put together a curated Spotify list for various different moods and ambiences. I will be personally listening to the Strong Brew playlist to stay awake, which contains all the intense <laughs> tracks from the various things we've spoken about. So there'll be something from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three definitely in there, and maybe some extraordinary if they've got music released from that because it's got a pretty banging soundtrack. Extraordinary, as if memory serves me correct.
2: It does, yeah, it does, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that that's, that's most of the ones we've got. I mean, we're on all the all the platforms. you can find us on youtube as well if you're if you're sitting there skating through youtube oh, you can always take a listen to our backcast we're, they're all on there so have a have a wander through there and maybe just when you're working let us fill your ears as you're, as you're working away on your, on your in your mm. daily work uh i think we've covered everything um we're basically we're everywhere yeah um if, if you know somewhere where we're not let us know and we will get pete on the case Um, Because that's that's what he likes to
0: do. He likes to get in all them socials. Right. Okay. Just I think the only thing we've got to say now is just good night, Chris. Good night. Good night, Chris. Thanks,
1: lads. Thank you.